We've all heard the statistics cited about 80% of businesses failing within the first five years. And those that make it five years, 80% will fail in the next five years. So how do we keep our businesses from being one of those statistics? What are the most common causes and how do we avoid those? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. There are seven primary reasons a business will fail. I call them the seven deadly defects. Today, in part three of our series, we're going to talk about ineffective or non-existent processes. Now, of the seven, this is probably the most widely talked about while possibly being the the least understood in a practical sense, meaning we all know we're supposed to have documented processes, but how many business owners really know how to to write or let alone uh, improve processes? You know, writing them is one thing, but how about improving them? How many business owners really have a good handle on what that what that process of improving processes is supposed to look like. So let's start out with just an understanding of why processes are even necessary to begin with. So think way back to a time when you started a new job and you were be- being trained to perform a particular task or a certain job that was uh, required. If your on-the-job training was anything like mine, uh, usually was, here's kind of how it went. Uh, you would meet with the first trainer and they would say, here's how we do it. Uh, and they would walk you through their process. And then the next day or a week later, um, somebody else will be showing you the exact same thing and they would say, don't listen to that other person. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. This is the way you do it. This is the way it's supposed to be done. And then me as a new employee or a new person in this position, I am left in a very uncomfortable situation of trying to navigate who do I listen to, which process is correct, what if they're both wrong, <laughs> what am I supposed to do if the boss asks me what what's going on. Um, this is this was a very common way I was trained in the first 10 years of my career uh, was when I was trained by multiple people. They each had their own process for doing something. They may have all worked um, to, to a certain degree, but there was not one unified um, methodology. And we can't let ourselves become convinced that this would never happen in our own company because we're different and our people never do such a thing. Um, well, that's probably not accurate. Um, or have you ever... Uh, learn how your team is completing a job or performing a specific task that you really haven't paid attention to in quite some time, maybe even years. And um, they're just doing it completely differently. They're doing it a completely different way than what you taught uh, however many years ago. I'll give you an example of how that happened to me here in a moment. But um, you, may have a, you may just assume that your employees or your team was doing the same way you taught them three, five, or even 10 years ago. And now you walk in and notice this critical piece of the customer experience is be done completely differently than than you wanted. Um, so I had a I had a conversation. I just stumbled upon this thing. We were uh, talking about how to book a call, and um, 
they were just doing it in a completely different way than what I had taught in it. But it had been, you know, five or six years since I had taught this. Um, and it was in no way resembling the method I, that I taught. Um, and it was like a real life game of telephone. Remember telephone where, you know, the first person tells the second person, the second person, tells, and it goes around and circle, you know, eight or 10 people. And the story is completely different by the time, you know, it gets back to the original source. Um, it was very much like that in real life. Um, and I, I was, you know, I was upset because the process had changed in a way that was, was not benefiting the customer. The customer experience was less um, pleasant than, than I wanted because the process I had put in place was not being followed. Um, but shame on me. Uh, I didn't document the process. It was all verbal and uh, that's just the way it was. So as I tried to explain how we need to get back to what we used to do and how to book these calls, um, the response I got from my team was, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the way we've always done it. Um, and in their defense, it had been five or six years since I had talked about it. So, you know, in their minds, that's the way we'd always done it. Even though I, I clearly, even after I printed the old script, after I went through all my old files and I found the old script and I brought it to them and said, this is what we're supposed to do. They still were like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, we've never done that. <laughs> so this is why we need processes. We need a definitive way uh, critical processes are performed. Um, our customers are going to appreciate that because they'll have consistency. Um, a great example that's often given on this is whether or not you like McDonald's French fries. If you go to McDonald's in St. Louis and a McDonald's in Miami and a McDonald's in Tacoma, Washington, you're going to have the same French fries. You know what you're getting. And like it or not, that's people want that. Um, people need that. People want to know what they can expect when they call our companies. The second thing about in process, uh, having processes is we can find and improve efficiency, which means profit most of the time. Um, we cannot find and improve efficiency if we have multiple ways of doing the same task. Um, we can't have efficiency if we have people randomly deciding on their own, they're going to alter their process a little bit and try something a little bit different. You, we don't have a control then to know um, what improvements are being made and which ones are working. Um, the other reason to have processes is we want to have solid training resources to reduce the length of time training takes. Again, think profit. You know, if it takes uh, three weeks to train somebody versus five weeks, um, that's two less weeks of training time and two more weeks of revenue in a lot of cases. Um, that's a pretty compelling reason to have a, a good process in place. Um, and again, we want to have uh, processes so that we have a control. So if we want to make improvements, if somebody has an idea, we want to try something, let's do it. Absolutely. Let's identify specifically what we're going to do, though, what the goal we're hoping for so we can measure the outcome and see if it makes an improvement or not. Um, there's tons of reasons to have processes. Uh, for those of you who are getting close to uh, wanting to sell your business or exit or bring on um, partners through a succession plan or something like that, having processes dramatically increases the value of the company. Nobody wants to buy a job. So if you have processes in place, the company is going to be worth between 20 and 25 and 50% more than a company who does, that doesn't have processes. So these are many of the reasons there's, there's tons more, but these are some of the more, more um, obvious reasons we want to have processes. Uh, but finding the time to document processes is hard. And writing processes, even for analytical folks like me, is boring. It's not fun. Um, so here's what I would suggest. Let's First of all, let's not take on the task of documenting every process we have. Uh, if, that, if we set out to do that, um, first of all, we're never going to finish that. 
Um, second of all, we probably wouldn't even get started. That just sounds like such a massive undertaking. It's just too daunting. We probably would just, it would just feel like too much work. And we probably would just never get started. Second thing is we don't have to take that on this whole thing by ourselves. There's no reason a very competent employee cannot write a process out. Now we may want to check it over. We may want to help them fine tune it. We want to, may want to help them learn the proper ways to, to write a, a process, which they probably wouldn't know the first few times they do it, but they can certainly do the majority of it. They can certainly do the, put the big blocks in place and we can help fine tune it and sharpen it up once they're done. There's no reason a very well-qualified employee can't write a process. So we don't have to do this alone. Um, so, but if you take those two things and we don't try to document every single thing we do and we don't have to do it completely on our own, um, we can come up with a pretty reasonable pace. That's an attainable goal for getting things documented. So even if we only document one process per month, that's still that uh, 12 processes we would have by the end of the year. Um, for those who are just starting out with this and don't have any processes, um, done, how much easier would your life be if your 12 most critical processes were documented? Um, for a lot of folks that makes life a lot easier. If you have a team of people, you might be able to get one a week done. You might ask if you have four managers and you ask each manager to get one done a month, that's one a week. That's 50 something processes at the end of the year. That's a, that's a massive amount of, of work towards getting your processes documented. I can't imagine companies, you know, service companies are going to have, um, 500 processes to document. That's probably not the case. 50 would be a, a long, a big chunk of that, you know, the overall total to be done. 50 would be a lot of that in most cases. So if we're, if we're just starting out, let's just pick a reasonable goal. And remember, we don't have to do this on our own. Um, also, when we're first starting out, we can choose the processes we're going to, we're going to write. We don't just, you know, start with the very first thing that customers experience necessarily. Um, you can, if you want, but I would uh, suggest starting with those processes which are aimed at reducing risk uh, or liability. Those are a great place to start. Start those are often safety related or accident prevention related, or you know things like getting credit card numbers. That's you know there's a huge amount of liability with that now. Um, you know just things like that that are that are could have catastrophic consequences. That's a great place to start with documenting processes. Another great place to start is. Uh, processes which are critical to the customer experience or customer satisfaction. Not much matters if we don't get the customer experience right. So if we're gonna if we're gonna look for a place to start documenting processes, that's a that's a fine place to get started. Is to is to get uh, the the things dialed in that gonna, are gonna make the customers happy. Again, if we if you love McDonald's French fries, you want to have the same French fries every time you go. The same thing for our business. If the customer likes the experience we provide. Let's get a process in place so that they get the same experience every time. Uh, another place to start would be uh, processes which are aimed at improving efficiency and profitability. Obviously, that's uh, that's something that's important for most companies is is getting uh, profitable and becoming efficient. Um, that allows for growth. It allows for owner compensation. It allows for rainy day funds. It allows for all kinds of things if we can if we can uh, be more efficient and more profitable. And then another place to start would be processes in which we are struggling to, to get right consistently. So a great place to start writing processes is to just pick that one that we just can't get right. We just keep stumbling on and, uh, and just diagnose that thing and find out what, what, what's going on wrong here. And a great place to start with something like that where we're not getting it right or we're not getting the consistent results we want is to get the players involved, sit down for an hour, 
and just ask everybody, what is the process? A lot of times we're going to find that the, the problem is if you have five people involved, all five may not agree on what the process is to begin with. So you might find a situation where two of them think it's done this way and three of them think it's done this other way, or they all five have their own ideas of how it's supposed to be done. And um, oftentimes just trying to ask people, all the players in one time, what is the process? The, the cause of the, the problem comes to the surface pretty quickly. I would say in many cases, um, just getting the people to identify what we're supposed to do every time often brings to, to light what the problem is. Um, when writing processes, there's a few things to remember. Uh, this is not, uh, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it has to be complete and not confusing. Um, so a couple things I always recommend to folks when you're writing a process, write it so your average 15 year old can read it and understand it. Um, let's not fill this thing with industry jargon. If we do, if we do have to use industry terms that uh, your average layperson on the street would not understand, then include definitions. One of the great benefits of having processes is for a tr as a training tool, and we lose all that or we mitigate all the benefit of having this as a training tool for using complicated terms that the average person who walks in the door won't understand with no explanation. We don't want them to have to read this 53 times to figure it out. We want them to read it once and have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. So let's write it pretty simple. So Again, your average 15-year-old can read it. We're probably in good shape. Next thing is we can't assume anything. Uh, again, we want this to be complete but not confusing. Um, so I say don't assume anything. My rule of thumb is this. I cannot or will not try to hold an employee accountable for something that I've not taught them or showed them or trained them. The entire point of a process is to have a methodology we can all refer to as quote unquote, the right way. And if I don't include everything I want done in this process, I'm setting myself up for failure or for a difficult conversation at the, at the least. Um, the point of a process is to tell folks how it's done uh, and, and for us to, for them to show us how it's done in some cases um, to show new people how it's done. Uh, if I'm going to uh, remove significant pieces of this process because I'm a, they're so, quote unquote supposed to know, or people are just you know, hey, this person's 35 years old, I should just know this stuff by now, um, and I'm going to try to hold them accountable to perform in a certain way later on. Uh, that's on me. You know how 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 could it go any other way than than them taking the easier path if the process doesn't say to do this, whatever it is. And they don't do it. How can I be upset with them? It was my choice to leave that out. So if it's something I'm, I could foresee, if they didn't do this, I would want to hold them accountable to do it. Then that needs to be part of the process. Um, and that's just something we have to kind of train ourselves to do. We can't assume anything. We have to to spell it out, uh, not in a condescending way, but we have we can't assume that they're going to know something. If it's important to us, we better document it. Um, every process and sometimes each step must answer these six questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, if your process answers those six questions, you're probably in really good shape. Um, one of the most critical pieces of a pro well, probably the most critical piece of a process to get buy-in is the why. Um, why are we doing it this, or why are we doing this at all, and why are we doing it this particular way? Again, if we want people to do things, they have to understand why. That's just human nature. We can fight that all we want. Um, but if we fight it, we're not going to get the results we want. We're going to have to babysit it. So let's not do that to ourselves. Let's not put ourselves in a situation where we have to babysit things. 
let's get folks to want to do things. And, and to get them to want to do things, part of it is explaining why this matters. Why are we doing this at all? And why are we doing it this way? And if you have a better solution, tell us. We'll do it your way. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Um, so it's it's a critical piece is if, if you want people to buy in is explaining the why. Simultaneously, this is probably the most often left out part of any process is explaining why. Um, so again, we just need to understand human nature and work with it rather than against it. So our first step would be in, in, uh, if you're, if you're new to, to the documenting processes world, or you've just kind of, it's just kind of fallen off your plate. Uh, a first step would be to choose to document pace, uh, process at a pace, which is reasonable, attainable, sustainable. Um, Again, if we only document one process a month, that's still 12 processes we would have documented at the end of the year. For many companies, that's a big chunk. That's a lot of progress. Uh, if you can do one a week because you have some managers on staff and they can each take on one a month or, you know, yeah, one a month. If you had two managers and, you, and they each took on one a month, that's 24 at the end of the year. That's a, that's a lot of progress. So it doesn't have to be this, uh, you know, we don't have to take on 50 at one time. We can do one a week or one a month or whatever and, and have a lot of progress at the end of the year. Um. And if you have some in place, I mean, how happy would you be if your team was was doing some of this stuff for you and with you? Um, again, it doesn't have to be a manager. It could be a, a, just a confident employee um, who understands the process. They can document this. You know, they can they can put together things and you can just help them fine tune it. And after they've done it four or five times, you probably won't have to teach them what the six questions are anymore. The who, what, when, where, why, and how. Um, they'll, probably, they'll probably get that pretty quickly. And how awesome would it be to have... Again, if you have if you have six employees who could just do one a month, that would be fantastic progress at the end of the year. So um, we all know we need to have processes. Uh, we hear this all the time. Many of us, uh, you know, uh, have heard this so many times. We just don't even want to hear it anymore because it's it's something that's talked about a lot in business uh, courses and seminars and things like that. Um, but let's not make it a daunting process. Um, first of all, just we have to recognize that we do need these things. Uh, our customers want consistency. We want efficiency. We want to have solid training resources to teach people so we can be uh, spending less time training and more time producing revenue. Uh, we want to be able to make improvements with a control in place so we can see what improvements work and get everybody on board with, with uh, the new improvements when they work. Um, but we don't want to make this a daunting thing and take on documenting every process we have. Uh, and we don't have to do this all by ourselves. Uh, so let's choose to document processes at a pace which is reasonable, attainable, sustainable. Uh, and when we're starting out, we can choose processes which are aimed at reducing liability and risk. Uh, or we can choose ones which are critical to customer experience or satisfaction. We can choose those which are aimed at improving efficiency and profitability. Uh, we can we can pick processes to to document which we are struggling with. Oftentimes just getting a team together and asking everybody how we do it identifies the problem. Uh, that's a fantastic place to get started if you're not sure where to get started with with, with uh, documenting all of your processes. Uh, and when we do this, we need to write them out so they're complete but not confusing. Um, and one of the most critical things is once we have the process written, we have to keep it in a place that is accessible. There's no point in writing a process if the employees can't find it when they need it. There's no point in having a process in which the employees assume they know how to do it because it's just out of sight and out of mind kind of a thing. We want to have the process at the workstation. We want to have it at a place where they can access this, uh, um, yeah, access this thing when they want it, or we can train it once in a while, just do a refresher once a month or once a quarter or once a year, whatever frequency makes sense. 
We have to have this process um, once it's documented in a place where people can find it. Otherwise, this this exercise is largely um, mitigated and, and oftentimes just kind of a waste of time. So that's it for this week. Again, we're talking about the seven deadly defects for the next few weeks. This week, we're talking about ineffective or non-existent processes. Uh, thanks again for everybody who's taking the time to give us a rating and review on this podcast. We sure appreciate it. Uh, please, if you have a moment and you have a friend who's a business owner in the service industry, maybe a contractor or auto repair shop or a home service uh, uh, business, um, sure appreciate if you would take the time to share it with them. Um, give us a rating and review if you haven't had a chance to do that yet. We sure appreciate that. So far, we've been getting quite a few of those. That's been fantastic. We appreciate that. Or I appreciate that, I should say. And uh, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you all next week as we continue on with our series, The Seven Deadly Defects. Mm-hmm.